We are so glad you decided to join us today for our Compelled podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. We would love for you to message us on social media and connect through our website at compelled316.com. Now let's get started. Bob Morrison is here to get us thinking about what it means to live a compelled life. Hey, what's up guys? I hope you're having a good week. Man, I've been on the road a bunch. I've went to the uh, Knoxville Sprint Car Nationals in Knoxville, Iowa, Indiana Sprint Week, covering a lot of races up in South Dakota at Houston Speedway. There's a crazy amount of stuff going on behind the scenes at races and events like this. And one of the things that just keeps popping into my mind, because you hear the stories, you know, as you interview uh, fans and crew members and drivers, you discover that there are a lot of people willing to do whatever it takes to win. Now, we could tear that down a little bit and say, what do you mean, do whatever it takes? Some people would say, uh, you know what, I'm running second, but if I give this guy a little nudge and I crash him and I take the checkered flag, that's all that matters. That's doing whatever they think it takes. Am I cool with that? No way. But we got to go a little further than that, and we start looking at what's anybody willing to do to make themselves feel like a winner. We got to go way back for that. We got to go back to uh, the NFL. You know, I'm watching TV. I'm doing what I love to do during football season. I'm sitting there on the couch, and this is a few years back now. Hang with me. And they say, hey, it looks like uh, somebody cheated in the NFL. And I'm thinking, How, what? How did they cheat? And they said, well, somebody let air out of the football during a game. And one of the referees figured it out. But they got to checking it. And they said, well, it's probably just a faulty football. But then they checked every single football that was used just for the quarterback and they found that all of them had been lowered in pressure just a little bit. Now, it may not sound like a big deal to you and me. We're like, okay, whatever. The ball's not completely inflated to the pressure that it's supposed to. But where it gets weird, when they called that quarterback out on it and they said, hey, dude, uh, this ball is not inflated where it's supposed to be. He's like, oh, I don't know anything about that. They said, well, let's let's just check with the guy that handles the footballs for the quarterback and see what he's got to say. And he says, oh, I don't know anything about that. Okay, well, do you mind if we look at your phone? And suddenly the quarterback says, you know what? I lost my phone. And then they go to the guy that works on the footballs for him. Oh, my phone's broke. I had to throw it away. So they've lost all the messages between him and the quarterback. And you're kind of going, eh, that smells kind of weird that both people would have a a phone problem at exactly the same moment when they're going to be questioned about whether they cheated or not. Now, that team went on to win the Super Bowl. And the part for me that just really sticks inside me is that everybody in the NFL knew what happened. There were a lot of coaches, a lot of players, a lot of sports writers, announcers, TV stations, personalities, they all knew that that quarterback cheated. But they still went on to support him and say, you know, oh, he's awesome, greatest quarterback to ever live. They won the Super Bowl, they deserve it. 
But today we're talking about something called the weight of conscience. Your conscience is what basically sits on your shoulder and tells you this is wrong, this is right. And I think that that quarterback has to get up in the in the morning. He has to look in the mirror. And even though he may be staring at that Super Bowl trophy, when all the champagne's drunk, when all the confetti's finished falling out of the sky and all the TV stations go away, it's just him and his conscience. He has to look in the mirror and go, yeah, yeah, I did that. Now, maybe he's good with that. Maybe he's good with being somebody that says, I'm okay with cheating to win. See, I was raised a little bit differently. It was always, if you have to cheat to win, then you didn't really win. I know, right? It kind of sticks in your head for a minute and you're thinking, what does it have to do with anything? There was a point when the investigation was so big on those deflated footballs that the ESPN, who absolutely loved that quarterback, wanted to have his babies, they actually called Peyton Manning and said, hey, we're going to put Peyton Manning live on TV to prove once and for all. I think their hope was that he would say deflated footballs mean nothing. So they get him on, on the air and they're like, hey, Peyton, thanks for taking time out of your day. And uh, we want to ask a question. Um, would a deflated football just having a little bit less air pressure, would that matter? And Peyton blew him away. He goes, well, yeah, absolutely. And they're like cartoon characters doing the double back and forth. What? Excuse me? And he goes, yeah, because you got to remember that football in the hands of a quarterback, that's the only tool he has during a game. He knows if it's heavy or light. He knows if the pressure's low or high. He would absolutely know. Would it give him an advantage? Yes, it would. And immediately these announcers uh, all went, okay, well, thanks. We're looks like we're out of time. We're going to take a break. And they went away from it because they did not want to pursue the idea that this iconic quarterback who won the Super Bowl had cheated. It's easier to believe in the lie. And I think that's true of you and me. It's easier for us to not deal with the weight of conscience. It's easier to just go, yeah, it's just the way things are. That's just the way it happened. And we just live with it. But I don't know that we're ever intended to carry all that around. In fact, I I truly believe we're not. I saw this guy talking one time and he was a, a big time counselor and he was talking to a group of people who were dealing with lots and lots of heavy issues. And he said, here's the thing. Every time you have something in your life that you don't deal with, he said, I want you to imagine that at that moment you go and just pick up a kitchen chair and you begin to carry it around with you all day. You can still get around. It's a little awkward at times, but you can do it. He says, now, the next time something falls on your brain or your heart that you know you've done something wrong and you're struggling with the guilt of that or the pain of that pick up another chair and before long you're carrying so many chairs there's no way you could be functional there's no way you can be the person that God intended you to be you begin to live a life that's completely shaped out of lies and brokenness and 
all the junk that comes with that. And we all do it in some form, you know, whether it's in our relationships, our job, our, you know, whatever, our journey. And I've been wrestling with that myself. You know, it's like I, I have to get up and I have to look in the mirror and say, okay, do I want to own all of my mistakes, all of the things I did wrong, all the things I should have did differently, the, the words I should have said, the, the way I treated people, the, just the battle, the journey, all of that brokenness. I have to look in the mirror and say, do I feel like owning that? Do I feel like saying enough's enough? And it's a lot of weight. It is a huge burden. And so, of course, I run to the Bible because that's where I get my peace of mind. And I'm reading this piece where Jesus says, hey, if you're dealing with a lot of weight, you're carrying a lot of chairs, basically. If you're dealing with a lot of weight, come to me and just give it all to me. He says, let me lighten your load. Let me take the burden off of you. It's that grace and forgiveness where Jesus says, okay, cool. It's like um, perfect example of this. You're a kid and there's a lamp gets broke in the living room, right? And for days, the whole family's like, I wonder who broke that. I wonder who broke that. And you're carrying the guilt you knew. And you finally go, man, I just, I, I got to get this off my chest. I can't take it any longer. So you go to your dad and you say, hey, dad, I want you to know I was messing around and I threw a ball. I'm the one that broke the lamp. And I'm sorry. And dads, being who they are, already know that you're the one that broke the lamp. They were just waiting for you to own it. And you say, I'm ready for my punishment. And your dad says, it's okay. The fact that you came to me and you told me, you owned it, and now it's forgotten. There's a new lamp sitting there now. It's all done. I still love you. Multiply that by a million, and that's what the grace of Jesus looks like. Because he says, I don't, I don't care what you've done. I'm not holding it against you. Do I want you to keep doing it? No way. Do I want you to work on being better? Absolutely. Do I think you'll fail again? Probably. Because we're all human. And we all make mistakes. But the fact that we have this weight of conscience on us that keeps us from being who we're supposed to be, that has to be fixed. We have to be willing to say, hey, Jesus, I need you to just forgive me. Would you consider wiping the slate clean? I love you. I need you. I want to be more like you and less like me. Help me to shine when I meet other people, when I cross paths, whether they're strangers or family or whatever. Help me to be more like you. And Jesus says, that's awesome because that's really all I want you to do. I just want you to share me with others. I just want you to own it and then tell me about it. It's gone, forgotten. There's a line in the Bible says, I will cast your sins as far as the east is to the west. 
In other words, it's an immeasurable distance away. It's forgotten as if it never happened. So you got to quit carrying that weight around. You got to quit trying to say woulda, coulda, shoulda. Because every one of those is a chair. And every chair you carry stops you from being who God sent you to be. He made you for something more. He made you for something special. But we miss out on all that. And I don't want any of us to miss out on that. You know, my belief is that if we could just forgive ourselves, then maybe it would be a little easier to understand how he could forgive us. Starts in the mirror. It starts with lightening the load, that weight of conscience. So my prayer for you and I, as we go into this week, as we spend a little more time loving each other, loving ourselves, loving Jesus, and forgetting about all those things that God has already forgot about. He's in your corner, you know. This is Bob Morrison. I'll see you somewhere out there. We are truly thankful you chose to spend some time with us here at Compelled. If you enjoyed today's message, we encourage you to like it, share it on social media, and check out our website, compelled316.com. God bless you, and we hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you somewhere out there.